Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Bear and Federated Insurance. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. I am your host for today. Hey, everybody. What are you doing out there? You guys ready for this paint season? You guys staffing up? You guys making sales? How are you guys doing out there? You know, this time of year is really a great time to set some goals, to uh, take inventory, to uh, think of the things that you've got going on and to improve upon your process, to implement new things, new strategies that's going to take your business to the next level. And the PCA is here for you, okay? Don't forget to subscribe to this show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and download the app, PCA Overdrive, where you can get 500 hours of video content. That's $5.99 a month for non-members free with your PCA membership. Uh, A couple other benefits that we've got in the PCA, of course, if you are right now, maybe that schedule is starting to fill up and you're like, oh man, I'm going to need to staff up, right? Well, I recommend a couple of things. One, you probably need some help. You probably need a second eye on those job ads. You probably need a little bit of boost on your reach. Uh, That's where I recommend going to jobs.pcapaint.org where you can access our recruitment platform powered by VBHR. I highly recommend that. I use it. And when I'm working with other paint contractors to find, uh, to help them staff up, to find painters, to find salespeople, when we're working together, that's the tool I'm using. So I definitely recommend going to that. We got a lot of great things going on. Uh, Today, I am in my studio in Bloomington, Indiana. Tomorrow, I'm going to be in North Carolina, then I'm going on to Florida, then I'm going to Pennsylvania. I'm on the road, people. I'm speaking at these small events, uh, groups of about 50 paid contractors, and we're educating ourselves. So make sure that you uh, keep an eye out for those dates. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, let's, look, this is, uh, is going to be a, a smooth show today. Smooth show. I'm feeling relaxed. I'm feeling good. This morning I just made a I made a sale a sale closed it right on the spot which is what I like you know it's you, you go in you do the thing you give them a price you send them the quote they pay you move on it's great it's great so I'm feeling that's why you can tell I'm so relaxed because I made that sale <laughs> oh uh, we got a good show though um, you know this time of year. I imagine that there are a handful of you out there who are uh, starting to get some work in, right? If you've done the work to market your business, if you've done the work to to build that reputation up, and you are starting to to get a backlog of work, you might be thinking to yourself, how on earth am I going to find the right people? And I'll tell you what, two weeks ago when I was on, on tour, I was out in Phoenix. 
and I was talking to a group, we were talking about recruiting strategies. And one of the things that people said, you know, to me was, Orlando, I don't uh, know how to find good people to hire. It seems like they're either all taken or when I bring them in, they, I train them up, I teach them how to do it. And then they go become a, sunk, a subcontractor at a bigger company. And I just, I just can't keep my people around. I can't even bring them in. And, you know, in, there are some times when I go out on the road and I talk to people and people will say, oh, nobody wants to work. And I look at them and I say, uh, people, people want to work. They just don't want to work for you. But in this case, I looked around that room and I saw some really fantastic people. And I thought to myself, man, I would work for you guys. These are great people. Why are they struggling? Well, I think that there's a little bit more to it. And that's why I am bringing on Ryan Naylor from HR to really dive deep on how to treat our recruiting process like a sales process. Now, do we want to be super pitchy and, and like a used car salesman when we when we get there? No. But do we want to have a process rather than just, hey, you know, you know, uh, you know, Sam is uh, my, my friend's cousin and he, uh, you know, he needs work. We got to do better than that. OK. And so I think that uh, the answer is going to lie in today's show which is why I'm very excited to have Ryan Naylor on today. We've had him on the show before, and he's always enlightened me and, and, and brought things to my attention that I immediately implemented. And that's the beautiful thing about this show for me. I mean, if you guys are, I don't, you know, if you're not listening to the show and getting anything, at least I'm getting stuff out of it because I'm taking all the stuff that I get from this show and I put it into my business. And I'll tell you what, uh, I'm, I'm going to build a behemoth of a business and it's because I'm listening to the guests that I bring on. Uh, let's let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and bring on Mr. Ryan Naylor of VHR to the show. Hey, Ryan, welcome to Paint Ed. Well, I know it's so good to be here and chat with you. I, I love our, our conversations. This is the second or third time we've chatted, and each time it's just been... Um, it's just been great. I love, I love your, I love your ability to get right to the heart of the issue with a lot of these contractors, and commend you on it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, you're one of my favorite guests to have on, especially in this, in this arena of recruiting, because uh, there are not a lot of people who have tackled it. There are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of marketers that you know have on, a lot of business coaches, but the people who know how to get and find people, they're few and far between. And so I'm so glad that you are uh, willing to lend yourself to to our industry. Ah, it's my pleasure. I love it. So, Ryan, uh, like I said in the intro, uh, people really do feel like it is hard to find good candidates um, to recruit to our industry. Um, there are some challenges that stand in the way. One, there is a learning curve to being a good painter. And so for a lot of the people that we bring on, it takes a while for them to even get profitable because they have to learn the skill. And that's if we go with the method of hire for character, train the skills. But then sometimes when we are like, well, I don't have time to train the skills. or I don't have the, the, the ability to, I don't have the bandwidth to, and we try to find people who already have those skills. 
it's it's we're not attracting the right character and so it's it's really this it, sometimes it feels like this catch-22 um you know i certainly empathize with that i'm sure because you work with so many different clients across different industries i'm sure we're not the only ones i'm sure this isn't completely unique to painting can you shed a little light on why it is so hard to find good candidates yeah, Torlando, if it's all right, maybe I'll start with just a little story, a little background, because I think it gives a lot of context here. What we're, what we're seeing right now is not new. I think it's just heightened. I think there's a little bit more of hyper-focus to the pain point because it's, it's ratcheted up a little bit more because of compensation and wages and inflation, and there's just a little bit more right. pain. The pain has been there. Maybe it's just been covered up by some other areas or it was easy to satisfy that pain because you're able to move on to the next person or the cost wasn't as incremental as it is now. You know, let me just flash backwards here just a little bit. So I started a marketing agency uh, about 15 years ago and grew that up here. And actually, I'm in, based in Phoenix, Arizona and built that up and built Blue Aspen Marketing as like this SEO for contractors agency. Mm-hmm. And had dozens, got up to over 100 customers and just absolutely loved working hand in hand with contractors and helping them solve problems to generate customers. And as we were going through it, I mean, our services were always month to month. Um, I just I hated signing contracts personally, so I didn't expect my yeah. customers to do it. And I started to see a little bit of a trickle of it, a little bit of an uptick in, in 2013, 2014 of customers canceling. And, and I couldn't figure out why mm. they were customers for a while. So I started just doing one-on-one calls with them. Not as a spiteful, like, hey, you canceled their services, but hey, just you know, business owner to business owner, let's just have a chat if you, if you wouldn't mind. And started to see a common common thread is we were the lead volume was higher than what they had capacity for. Right. And they had a problem with hiring. So I talked through that with them. And, and what I realized was is the problem, the problem existed before. This is not new in 2022 and 2023. Right. Back at this time, it, there was still a problem. And ultimately, kind of what I came down to is they were frustrated they couldn't get a volume of applicants Mm. so i started to figure out what is the volume look like that you need to have is it 10 is it 20 is it 100 they didn't know they said well hire one person but they were frustrated the volume of candidates they would get so then we started looking and peeling back a little bit what are you doing to get candidates and they were putting it on craigslist yeah and they were getting 50 candidates but they were the wrong quality and so this light bulb moment came off that the power of Ryan Naylor here of seeing how do I get my marketing world to collide with this employment world? Mm-hmm. Because I love marketing, mm-hmm. but I also love company culture and I love the people side of the business. I love it. I love the right. study work. Right. And so well, and you can't and you can't market if you don't have capacity. You basically just shut off your marketing if you don't have the capacity to to do the work that's you're right you're wasting money and and i get and i resonated with that but i but to me there was a leaky bucket and the leaky bucket was quality of people mm. in the business that that's really what was costing you money 
you you may thought you were overspending in marketing, but the reality is the opportunity cost that you were missing out on was way more expensive than the actual dollars and cents you're paying in marketing. So I wanted to help solve this other problem that maybe they didn't see right out the gate. Right, right. And so my two worlds had a baby. Yeah. Culture marketing. And and I went out and I got really aggressive on this and worked with a pi- pi- couple pilot contractors. And ultimately today, that is Viva HR is, is kind of where that came from. And so this problem really resonates with me. And it's it's actually the foundation of why I built this company Yeah, it was twofold. How do we get the right people in the door? Mm-hmm. How do they find you? How do they see you? What is the science to getting people to see you? And then ultimately, what is the culture? What is the marketing component to get them to care about finding you? And they're right. so excited about your brand. They would do anything to work for you. So just a little backstory there is to, the problem's not new. It's agitated a little more than normal, but there's a system and a process. And and I would love to kind of talk through that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I'm all ears on this. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, the the past two or three times that I've had you on the show, some of these things that, that you've taught me have become, you know, just part of my business operation. You know, I do not stop job ads. They are going. I am always getting candidates in. I have a huge database now at this point of potential candidates, emails, phone numbers, people that I can call, resumes that I can screen. And, and I have a whole system. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to uh, you know, deepen my education on this today. So um, tell me, what, what is the first thing that I need to be thinking about um, you know, to, to solve this leaky bucket problem here? Well, what I've found is a lot of a lot of um, a lot of employers fail to put themselves in the job seekers' shoes, right? I think I think it's easy to get really busy and just put up a job ad and then be and just sit around and wait. We're just putting out the fishing line and, and we're not getting the results we want. There's no bites on the line and we're getting frustrated. The reality is is if you're hiring for an estimator to grow your business, you you need somebody out there that's out there closing deals, getting jobs done. Um, what have you done to actually search for that role? And I, and I would challenge you to look for it more than two ways, three ways, four ways. I would say, get out there and start where everyone starts. And that's on their phone. Pull out your phone and do a Google search. Estimator jobs near me. And go through that experience and analyze it. What are the top results? Chances are there's a sponsored you know, position on Google chances are you're going to scroll past it just like every job seeker does. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be the Google for jobs listings. It's a new job board by Google. And that's what drives a lot of people, especially contractors, blue collar workers. They're out in the field. They're mm-hmm. frustrated at something. So they pull out their phone or they're at a lunch break. They've got their phone with them. They do a quick Google search. That's got to be your first place you start. But then the phase two of that looks is what are the other job boards they might poke into? You might be surprised at some of the niche job boards that pop up to the top. You might see some publishers or some feeds that you otherwise didn't think of because you default to what you've been advertised to do, which is Indeed and Mm -hmm. ZipRecruiter. Those are the ads you see. Every third commercial is one of those advertisements right now targeted at business owners. It's insane the amount of volume. But you'll notice that Indeed isn't probably the top one you'll find when you do a search. 
Mm. When you get into the Google for jobs, chances are Indeed's not going to be the number one posting. Mm. So you're spending money where candidates are not going. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think putting that hat on is really, really critical to the process. Yeah. Part two of that. Problem- I could, if I could add to this, because there's there's the technical component of like, okay, I need I need a new job, and so here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, I'm late at I'm late at, it's late at night. I'm thinking to myself, I got to find something else. I go online to my browser and I start typing things in. There's that technical component, but I think what is also important i think this will kind of set us up to talk about job ads you know later on in this conversation but why are they sitting up in the middle of the night looking for a job in the first place you know nobody is finding it trying to look for a new job who is satisfied where they're at if they were satisfied where they're at they're just not going to look but the people who are looking they are trying to fill a hole and a gap in their life and their career in their professional development, in their day-to-day, you know, satisfaction where they think or they hope at least that a new job is going to solve that problem. You know, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I took some time to be, you know, to be back in the employment world again, to be employed. And, you know, I had, I had a lot of great coworkers. I had some great bosses. I had some that I, I didn't care for. And when I would come home, I was just talking to my wife about this the other night, I'd come home every day and just start griping about that, that leader who didn't understand me or get me, you know, <laughs> and it was, it, it just was taking its toll. And eventually it was, you know, it was, it was time. And so, uh, you know, you, when, when it comes to putting yourself in their shoes, also uh, put yourself in their, in, in their shoes from an empathy standpoint, understand what it is that they're really trying to solve and then figure out how they are attempting to solve it. And, and that's, you know, where it comes is that, that, like you just said, the initial job search, okay, I can't take this anymore. I need something that's going to be more fulfilling, that's going to pay more, where the boss isn't, you know, uh, toxic. I need something new. Now I'm going to go search for it. So I, I think there are two sides of that coin. There's the technical, but then there's also the emotional that's going on. There are so many great points there. Um we're going to get into the job ad side, but I'm going to maybe leapfrog just a little bit and say exactly what you explained where you came home and you talked to a loved one about the pain that you're feeling. There's oftentimes the loved one is actually the one looking for the work as well. Mm. And they are more, they pay more attention to the detail of the job posting than the actual candidate does. Interesting. They work for those emotional satisfiers to help their loved one. They look for a company that cares about employees because they want their loved one to be cared for. That occurs more often. It just That's really insightful. Quick, quick historical fact on that. Like this is scientific here. I would run job fairs here in Arizona. We were the number one job fair company in the whole state of Arizona. We helped over 100,000 people get jobs through our events. Like I'm mm. talking a lot of people would come yeah. to We were renting out State Farm Stadium and like, hundreds of employers at a time and state state farm and chase bank and paypal like big sponsors right and we would work with uh local tv stations and radio ad stations to kind of run these ads every single candidate that walked through the gates of our events 
were asked a couple of questions. One, we wanted to know if they were a veteran. We wanted to target and help veterans at that time. Mm -hmm. We still do, but but it was a high priority at that point. We were working a lot of veteran groups. We wanted to track our, our, our success there. The other one is, how did you hear about this event? The number one referral source was not that billboards or radio ads. It was my mom. Mm. We're talking, I'm not saying it's like kids in high school or like, you know, I still living at home and I don't yeah. have anything going on. Like we're talking like grown men straight <laughs> up like, no, my mom heard about this on yeah. a morning TV program and she told me to get down here. Yeah, yeah boy's got to talk to his mother. <laughs> there's the power of speaking to the loved ones to your yeah. exact point to speaking. And, and that comes all into that culture marketing. Aspect. Wow. Wow. Very insightful. Very insightful. Okay. So, so we've put ourselves in, in, in their shoes. We understand where they're searching. We, we, we start to figure out why they're searching. What comes next? Well, I think you need to look at competition. I think it's really critical for you to get a sense of if, if an estimator is looking for this role and I want to compete for their attention, what else are they seeing? Mm -hmm. And I would take time and read through those job postings. I might even copy and paste the top five into a Word document and look at some comparisons and say, how do I stand out against those top five? Because ultimately, it's they're going to work for one company. They're yeah. not going to be taking three or four jobs. They're applying to multiple jobs, but they're going to accept one job. And what is it going to be? Right. And, and I think a lot of us need to put ourselves in. We're really aggressive with our marketing and our language in sales. Mm -hmm. We fail to do that in recruiting. So one of the pitfalls that I commonly see in the space of painting is the job posting consists of three sentences. We're hiring for a new position. You need to work this many hours would love if you have experience right and that's like the entire job posting mm. now if a loved one comes across that ad do you think they're gonna encourage someone to apply to it no no they're gonna skip right past it yeah and then and then we're frustrated we're not getting candidates right right so, right. so what does that story look like so um for me a great presentation of a job ad speaks to those points that i know that you said the empathy so what is what are they concerned about? Chances are they want a reliable company mm -hmm. to show a level of care and concern for them. Mm -hmm. So what would you think? In that you're you've got so much experience in this painting world, how do you demonstrate that in a job ad? How do you show empathy right at, in the first paragraph? Well, you know, I th I think that you could channel what they're probably experiencing at other companies. You know, are you, you know, are you tired of, uh, you know having no no career path no ceiling you know your boss is right there next to you uh painting and you know there's no there's no room for growth are you tired of not knowing where you're where you need to show up you know the next day you know because that's a that's a very common thing where just owners are so unorganized that on a day-to-day -day basis you know they don't have the next job site ready to go they're getting calls at you know, eight o'clock at night, like, okay, here's the, you know, here's the address for tomorrow. Um, you know, any, anything that you could imagine that uh, either that you used to do that, you know, is bad or that you see other companies going through and doing that is, is bad. Like the, the employees are going to be frustrated with that. 
lack of organization is a huge one that that I think you know that my past candidates have complained about when working at other companies. They really don't like the kind of that uh, that feeling like they're a volunteer firefighter. You know, just never know when you're gonna <laughs> be on call to to show up to the job. I think leveling up the professionalism and transparency is key. If you have a company with two employees, celebrate that all day long. Don't shy from that. Celebrate it because that means they're going to be able to wear multiple hats. Hey, we have an opportunity for you to learn in multiple areas and grow with us. Mm. Stamp your spot right now as a founding member and growth contributor to XYZ company. Mm. Like plant the vision of what they can become. And I think empathy is as much addressing the pain point as it is, is giving them a sense of redirection and focus, right? right. Talk to a therapist, you talk to an advisor, they're helping you see the future of what the next chapter of your life can look like if you satisfy those pain points. Right. And I think there is, there is room for that in employment. I think, you know, Next to cancer and death, I mean, one of the most painful and destructive things to the family unit is unemployment and underemployment. Mm. It's stressful out there. You're feeling frustrated at your employment. You carry that home to the walls of your household and it's destructive. Yeah. And and I think you can help satisfy and, and alleviate some of that agitation, that pain, the frustration by telling the right story. And that to me is called culture marketing. Yeah. How do we demonstrate the culture of our organization in such a way, such an empathetic way where there's no other employer I would want to work for. Yeah, And, that, and that's, that's ultimately what a job ad should be. Plant the vision immediately into the job ad. Yeah. And, and I think I can help you know, support you in this because so I have I have a number of different job ads with different titles because, you know, there there are different groups of people that I know will make a, a good member of the company, but they may they may not have ever thought of painting as a viable option. And so um, one example, I got two examples that I'll share, but I'm going to focus on this one at first. So I, I have an art background. My, my undergrad is in, in fine arts. Um, I, I graduated from, uh, you know, an art school. And uh, when I was in art school, I remember, you know, my, my instructors and professors and everything telling me that um, one out of 100 people who graduate in art will have a career that has anything to do with art. Wow. Uh, and and then I found another stat somewhere somewhere else that basically said that the um, this was at a point where so I read this I probably read this in I want to say 2014 maybe 2015 so so this is post recession like we're fully recovered the economy is strong general unemployment is is around three per three four percent at that point yet the unemployment rate of artists was still at 13%, which is recession level. And, and I, I just remember kind of like really agonizing about this, uh, this idea of like, okay, I just graduated with this degree. I have no idea how I'm going to use it in the real world. I, uh, there, from what I'm being told, there are no jobs. I literally, when I was in school, I was telling my, one of my professors 
I was like, what do I do with this degree after I graduate? Like right now in school, I'm painting and this is what I make a year painting. And she was like, oh, well, you should just keep doing that. You know, and it was like nothing against your art, but like it's hard. Like you can become a professor. And and it's, so it's like if I wanted to go that route and, you know, continue with the masters and, and you know, go down that path, then that was seemingly the only answer. And I read this book called Art and Fear that said um, that the vast majority of artists are students. And when they cease being a student, they cease being an artist. And I, I read that book twice. And the first time I read it, I understood it like, oh, yes, I need to be a student of life and always be learning and always be quite. And then I will you know, continue to be an art. Then I got into the real world and realized, oh, no, I'm not in school. Therefore, I'm just not making any art because I don't have time. I have to make money. I'm starting a family. I, I don't have time to be an artist. And so I, I left school and now I'm no longer an artist. There are so many artists that are experiencing that exact same thing. They lose their community once they leave. So what I did is, is I, I'm pretty sure I got this from you, is I just did search for what jobs are, are out there and just, just to see, you know, what people are applying for and what people are saying. When I typed in fine artists, there was like nothing. You know, like I couldn't find any post for uh, a, a studio artist or a fine artist. So I just popped up an ad that's fine artist, see who would apply. And I made it clear in the description, um, bring your skills in art into architectural painting, painting houses into your house. You know, I made it very clear up front. And then I shared that story. I shared that story of how I left school without a job prospect. And then I found a career and a passion in the painting trade. And that's why I think they should consider it. And Ryan, I get applications every single day, five, mm -hmm. about at least five applications a day for artists looking for work. And they're good people and they learn the trade fast. They, they, it takes them time to catch up to speed, but they have the eye for the detail. They, they, they learn it quick. And they're really great customer service reps. And so that idea of just like empathizing and going through that process of like understanding what people want and need out of a job, I think that's mission critical to this. If you don't understand that, if all you're doing in your job ad is posting the things that you want to need as a business owner, nobody's going to resonate that with that. Nobody cares about what you need. They care about what they need. And the person who understands that is going to find the candidates. You know what I mean? Orlando, what you just explained is the exact reason I left my entire business, my marketing agency, to build and grow Viva HR. It, exactly what you explained. Because there are so many great small businesses out there that have stories to tell to attract and inspire good people with good paying jobs and you did it in a way that the science and the art blended. You found the right job title that people would look for. That's the science, the volume, the, 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 the analytical mindset of saying, what would people look for? And there's no one else out there doing it. Part two is how do I tell the right story to create an emotional connection to where now there's culture alignment from day one. So Kudos to you. That's exactly right. That, that that's the, the proper framework to to look at recruiting. Yeah, and I'll add to this one more thing is that I always ask when I interview, I always ask them what stood out to you about the job advertisement that prompted you to 
apply. And it's, it's that story. It's, it's that connection that they, they're like, yeah, I feel the same exact thing. I'm, I'm graduating or I've been, I've been done out of school for a year or two. And I just, there's just not a, a place for me. Right. And, and so I'm offering that sense of belonging within our culture and it's, and it's right there in the job ad. The, the power of community is so strong, right? They, they get a sense that, oh, someone understands me. They're, they're similar to me. They understand my pain points. And then they, they want to join that tribe, kind of the Seth Godin. If you haven't read like Purple Cow or Tribes or some of these Seth Godin books, he, I mean, that he's the, the wizard of yeah. making people feel like they belong from the moment they engage with your ad. Well done. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. So, so through this job ad process, you know, and I, and I really believe this. I mean, I do think that it does take a little bit of strength in, in uh, being able to write and communicate. Um, you know, I've, I've played around with the different AI tools to help you write. I, I really don't think that's the route to go here. Um, they just spit out something that's just too generic. Um, I think it does have to be personal, um, but tell me some of the other components of a compelling job ad so that our, our listeners can kind of have a sense of what we need to put in, in this, uh, ad. Yeah. So I'm going to keep going back to like the science and art because without good bullet points, chances are your job ad won't be seen either. What's interesting is we're, we've done so many, I mean, tens of tens of thousands of job ads that go through Viva HR every day, Right. So we're able to see which ones work, which ones don't. We see a compelling data point that says you need to have at least seven bullet points in two distinct categories. So roles and responsibilities, you should have seven bullet points. It mm. look for that. And then you should have requirements for the job, should have at least seven bullet points. So you need to satisfy the algorithms a little bit. Mm -hmm. You need to have the keyword. So the job title that you're posting for you need to have that multiple times throughout the content of the posting to give it a sense of density and relevancy, just like you would in Google when building a, a landing page for a specific keyword. You need the keyword in there a few different times. Right. Same goes with the employment side. So, so you've got to, You've got to, You got to satisfy the itch of, you know, SEO your job posting. But part two behind that is. I love having a letter. I love having a kind of letter from the CEO or what you can expect. Personally, in our brand, I mean, we're growing, we're hiring. So we're, we're having to kind of, you know, eat what we cook kind of a thing as well. And, and what we have in the bottom of all of our job postings is what you can expect from us. Because job postings are always so committed to what you're going to do for me, you're going to do for me. We're just pointing at them like you're you got to have this responsibility, you got to have this requirement, you got to have this education. And let's change let's change it up a little bit. So we shifted our postings to say what what you can expect from us, mm -hmm. and it's our declaration of what we will commit back to the person. And it starts with transparency. Here is our hiring process, and we lay out our hiring funnels and stages, and we lay out exactly what we do at each stage. We have a scorecard that we measure you on. These are the six categories we look for. The top three things are assertiveness, attitude, and aptitude. Based on those examples in your resume, we'll move you to the next bucket of stage where we do a group interview. Inside the group interview, we're now looking for the next three. The number mm -hmm. one trait we look for is a core value called be, be a playmaker. So we're gonna ask you examples of what it means to be a playmaker in your industry, in your role. 
So we're giving them like our entire roadmap. Right. But we don't do that for any other reason than to give them a sense of transparency. We are authentic. We are real. And this is not a robotic process. And I will tell you the amount of A players we attract compared to peers in our space is night and day. Mm -hmm. An A player hits our job ad, they no longer want to apply to any other job. Because then when they go read the next job posting and there's three sentences and there's maybe two bullet points and it says, you got to arrive on time. Right. Ex you know, 10 exclamation points. Right, yeah. They're just like, oh my gosh, it's just back to this same employment cycle I was just in. Right. Be different. Show them you care by showing what you're going to commit back to them. It's a relationship to your point of empathy. Empathy is not looking at them and sympathizing with them. It's putting your arm around their shoulder and saying, we can accomplish this together. Hmm. And I think if you can have that mindset right out the gate, the amount of A players you attract, who cares if you get 50 candidates, get three a players yeah and be shocked at the caliber that you have on your team mm, mm, that's so good i man yeah i mean i what i'll tell you and i'll tell the, the audience here is like i can't emphasize enough the the effort that you need to go into this like i just when you make a bad hire when you uh, and, and, you know, if you're, if you're like using just indeed, and you're spending a bunch of money on indeed or, uh, or, or even if, even if you're using VVHR and you have these three sentence, uh, you know, job ads, they're just not going to work, you know, and it's, and it's like any tool, you know, if, if you're, uh, if you gave a, you know, a really nice, uh, you know, Chinex bristle brush to, uh, a, a painter and who, you know, claims to be a painter and doesn't know what they're doing, um, you're going to get bad results. But you give that same nice brush to somebody who knows what they're doing, they're going to get great results. Even if they had a bad brush, they would probably be able to, to get decent results. I mean, it's the tool is it can only take you so far. You really have to know how to use it. And I think that's that's why it's so important for our, our audience and our listeners to really think of both sides of the equation here. There is the science part. There is like you are competing in a in a search engine. Um, you know, any job board is a search engine. You are typing in keywords and hoping to get results. There is that component to it. There's also this personal deep connection, you know, sending out what I oh, when it, last week when I was at the uh, event, I told people you have to send bat. You have to send out bat signals to the brand. And, and what I meant by that, putting out a bat signal to brand is, look, when you, uh, when you, when the bat signal gets turned on, who shows up? The Batman, right? Yeah, Batman shows up. But when that bat signal goes on, who runs away? Exactly right. The bad guys. The bad guys run away, right? And so when you, when you, you take your ad and you make it a bat signal to the brand, the, the people that you want, the Batman that you want, they're going to show up and the bad candidates, they're going to run away because they just don't want any, they, they don't want the accountability. They don't, they don't want, they don't care about that stuff. Like they just, they're just not even going to see it. It's going to, it's going to be too much to read. It's, it's going to be the issue. <laughs> You're exactly right. 
what we what we tend to do is um and i man there's so many opportunities for this to be interactive too it would be fun to bring people on but you know one thing we've we've implemented is we have scorecards for every single job and they're all quantitative kpi metrics and they're based on three kpis that are performance based so functions of the job how we measure success mm-hmm. then, we, then we measure them based on skills and traits required to perform the duties so mm-hmm. how are you doing in your skill set that influences that kpi factor right so we measure that and then the third thing is we've got our our core values and we measure them so every employee every department gets a scorecard and it's measured every single month mm-hmm. every single month and never is an employee shocked at where they stand with inside our company. And the reason I say this is because now we implement that into the job posting. To your point, the bat signal. Yeah. We have a scorecard and this is how we measure you. And you are measured every single month so that you know where you stand. And the and you know what? The low performing candidates are like, ugh, yeah. I don't want to be held accountable. Yeah. And they don't apply. Great. <laughs> you for saving all yeah. of us some time here right so that's a i love the bat signal that analogy that's fantastic yeah so so once we do find these folks that you know we start getting the candidates and and you know if if you do i can attest that if you have your uh job ad right you are going to get candidates every day um if it's not right, I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, you know, it's a, go back to the drawing board, start over. But if you've got it right, if you've, if you put the right words in, you're going to get, you're going to get a ton of candidates. Once we get those candidates in, how do we, how do we cipher them? How do we uh, get to the point of like, okay, we found the person who belongs to our culture and now we're going to retain these individuals. So I recommend before you even post the job, you have a scorecard. Like what, what does that A player look like? What are some of those attributes, the experience level? What, what are they demonstrating in a cover letter, a resume, or even a first round interview that would determine them they're worth bringing into my company? So you've got to have a playbook of score, you know, scorecard parameters. Um, side note, I hate going the legal side. I hate it, but this will protect you as an employer so mm. much if you have it documented because there are certain states i'm not going to name drop but there's certain states that are west of arizona where if you're pretty much guilty until proven innocent of employment discrimination mm. so if somebody applies to a job and they don't get the job and they come back and file a department of labor you know dispute here if you don't have it documented what your scorecards were and how you measured the candidate and they didn't fit with inside our top third of candidates, well, you, you've got yourself a difficult situation to defend yourself or pony up on a penalty. So, so I'd say scorecards are very valuable for both sides of that coin. So candidates come in, measure them, but gosh, the power of nurturing really kicks in right here. It's do we have an automated SMS text thread? Get right back to their phone. Hey, Torlando, I see you applied to my job. I'm really impressed by your experience. We're going to continue reviewing some candidates, but I'll be in touch within the next five days. Mm. That simple touch point means everything to a candidate. Now, when I call you back in five days and say, Ryan, I, you know, this is Ryan Torlando. I, I messaged you, told you I love your resume. 
did you get my message? Yeah, I did. Great. Well, listen, we'd love to schedule time for an interview. Like the chance of them no showing to that interview dramatically drops. In the painter's world, I have a lot of folks telling me we're just having a lot of no shows the interviews. Yeah. I get it. But usually it's because it's not because the, it, it, it's more about you than it is them. What are you doing to foster that relationship deeper after they applied than just a, oh, I applied to 10 jobs. I don't remember who you are. Oh, you want me to come in for an interview? Yeah, that was that was pretty cold invitation. Like, of course, they're not going to show up. There, there, there's a lot of competing offers out there. So be the brand that they want to show up to the interview for, I think, is, mm-hmm. is my biggest advice there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've, and I've certainly experienced that, you know, I mean, as, as, as recently as this last week, I had a couple of no shows mm-hmm. and they, and they just signed up, you know, for the, they, they signed up for the interview and, you know, two days later and, and they didn't show. So that's, that's definitely something that I'm trying to figure out, um, you know, how to, how to do. And, and right now the only remedy that I have is just to process more candidates. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking for ways to, to reduce the no shows there. There's, there is an element of like the, you know, that you do have to put some responsibility onto the individual. Uh, yeah. I, I hear a lot of, um, you know, leadership gurus and, and you get into, you know, our Facebook groups and everything, and you get a lot of people with a lot of ideas and I think too many leaders fall into this trap of blaming themselves for everything. Um, and I think it's an easy, it's, I think it's easy to make yourself a scapegoat when you're the leader, when, when you do have people who are, uh, you know, just not being accountable, but, th- but it's a balance. And so figuring out to what degree, like you can only be, responsible for 100% of the things that are responsible that are within your sphere of responsibility. And that's the same for the other person. They have to be responsible for hundred percent of what's, what's theirs. You can't be 150% responsible and make them 50% responsible. You just can't do that. You can't do that in any relationship. You can't do that in a marriage. You gotta, you gotta be responsible for your, your side of things. But I think that it can go the other way when we have a little bit of a victim mindset and we, we get into that, oh, nobody wants to work, nobody wants to show up, I think you're right. Well, what are we, what are we enticing them to show up for? You know, if you, if you throw a party and it sounds like it sucks, then nobody's going to show up. You know, like you, you got to, anything could be happening in that time. They apply and they're like, great, I, you know, I applied, that's a job. Um, I, uh, let me look back at this job description. Let me look at their website. Let me look at their social media. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you know what? I actually don't want to, I don't want to waste my time with this company because they don't seem like a place that I want to work. You know, I I think that's probably happening. I, I see that a lot. The other way is if, if you're really trying to attract more people, good quality people and get them through your funnel faster, I would encourage you to have company activities and invite your candidate pool to those activities. I recently heard of a company and this is, this is a fresh comment that I heard last week from somebody. This is, uh, this is new, but I love this idea. They did a team uh, fishing contest. So Friday afternoon, 
everybody finished their work. They could invite their kids, their family. They met at like the community pond. It wasn't even like a big lake or anything. It was like, like mm -hmm. a community lake here. And they they knew it was going to be getting dark. They got out colored glow sticks and you're either on team purple or you're on team green. And they did quantity of fish caught. They had a centralized like little canopy with some food and some burgers getting grilled and some hot dogs. And then they'd all go out and they invited who their top candidates in the pipeline to participate mm. and come be part of a fishing activity. And they had some prizes for, you know, who caught the biggest fish, which team caught the most fish. And like, they made it really interactive and really a great experience. What do you think those candidates were thinking at the end of that night? Holy cow. That's yeah. who I want to work with. Right. That was so much fun. Just get to know them outside mm -hmm. of the walls of taping, brushing, estimating, right? right? And they put a lot of stress in that. Let's get them outside of that and get to know them, peel back some layers a little bit. Yeah. Getting creative on activities you can get them involved in. And to them, they justify the entire expense of that because that is their recruiting pipeline. You think about how expensive it is to have a bad hire. Well, you figure it out pretty quick at those events. Yeah. And if you're me, you, you listen to your wife and what their gut tells you about them too. Sometimes there's a little intuition that comes there, yeah. but like that's the kind of like outside the box creativity that you need to have. That's going to attract a players and it's going to prevent you from bad hires, but attract the best a players. Chances are going to stick around. If you're that committed to your people, chances around they're not bouncing to get that independent contractor job we talked about at the top of the yeah. show. Oh, totally. Totally. That's, that's so good. Ryan, if we, if we do this right, if we get our, our process down, our recruiting process as well of, of an oil machine as, as our sales and marketing process, what is, what does life look like? What does our business look like? Well, it really becomes your destiny, your destiny of where you want to take your business. You know, nothing is worse than throwing away good leads because you don't have the staff to support the growth engine behind it. If you do want to grow and you see yourself as saying, hey, we're an expansionary company, we're growing into a few different markets, you have the systems and processes in place. Think about the whole franchise world. That's what this is. Mm -hmm. It's a system and process. You can scale and grow um, leaps and bounds. The best franchises in the world have everything systematized and they have it so processed, it is that well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. And I would say you're a small business and you say, I want to stay a small business. Get your systems and processes dialed in now because they're going to help you when you have that leaky bucket, when that can, when that good employee leaves and goes starts their own business on the side or they, you're going to have those moments. Yeah. You, you, you build and cultivate and develop leaders. Yeah. Chances are you're going to have some that are going to take the next jump. That's okay. But you have a process in place where you're okay with that because you've got the next candidate right in the back door. Totally, totally. Ryan, tell us a little bit about Viva HR. Oh, I, we don't need to dive too much in, but we... We, well, we do. I want to know. <laughs> well, you know, we built this to help Small Business America. It's a job posting automation software. We publish your job to all the job boards, give you organic visibility. You don't have to sponsor to pay. It's unlimited candidates, unlimited job postings. Um, and then we built systems and process so you can templatize the whole experience. You can build the job posting templates, the SMS, the email templates, create a knockout questionnaire based on what they answer. You kick them out of your hiring funnel. So you're always just focused on the eight players all the way through. 
So that's the whole idea. How do we help small business America hire faster and hire better? And then we, we've partnered with PCA and, and, and really created a nice little subsidized discounted rate for the members. So, and that's at jobs.pcapainted.org. And we have a whole job board that we power there and, and, and want to help you guys with your hiring. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Um, you know, I was on there, I was on there today and uh, looking through some of the job postings, I saw uh, my job postings right there on the list. And so it's, uh, it's definitely working. And, um, and like I said, I, I get a lot of candidates and, and what I can tell, you know, the audience is that, uh, you know, my, recruiting process because of the automations that I set up in, in VVHR, it really doesn't take a lot of time. Like I, uh, I, I, especially when I'm needing to source those candidates, I get in a little routine, you know, I maybe take 30 minutes to review, uh, some, some of the new resumes that have come in. Um, I can, you know, easily mark the ones and move them to a next stage. I can mark them as screened or I can invite them to a first interview I send that email trigger. I've got my little interview schedule link in the email. It goes out. They find a time. It shows up on my calendar. So for me, recruiting isn't this big to do. It's it's just something that, um, you know, I, I just, if I spend 15 minutes a day reviewing resumes, I'm going to have that consistent stream because I, the consistent stream of, of candidates is coming in. And then once, once I find one that I want to interview, I just bring them in. And when my crew says, Hey, we need another guy, then I've got, I've got a whole bunch of people that I can, that I can bring in and, and say, Hey, you know, are you still looking for a job? And, and if they say, yeah, I say, well, come on down. You know, it's, it's a really, it, it really does save a lot of time. I, I, you know, we can't, I, I wouldn't want to under, uh, undersell how powerful Viva HR is. So I'm really grateful for uh, you guys and, and the part the partnership that we have with the PCA. I love that, Torlando. A great example of using the bench. I think that's probably one of the most underutilized elements business owners. And they just overlook the power of always building a bench for qualified people because you might not need them today, but man, when tomorrow hits and you really need them, you wished you'd spent the time yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had I've had people that I've hired who my first interview with them was two years before I actually hired them. Wow. Yeah, I, I couldn't hire him the first time because I because I could only pick one person. Wow. And I called back a year later and said, hey, do you want a job? They said no. I called back a year later. I said, do you want a job? They said yes. And and they were great, great painters, you know. So, uh, it, it, it you know, just like MBA, it, it's helpful to have a deep bench. Wow. <laughs> All right, Ryan, thank you so much for uh, being on the show. I've uh, really in, enjoyed our conversation. And uh I certainly look forward to the next time to have you on. Thanks, Ryan. Have a great work, buddy. All right, there we have it. Ryan Naylor with Viva HR, uh, helping us improve our recruiting process, making it a little bit more about uh, selling that process. But you know what I love about it? It wasn't when he talked about selling, he wasn't talking about like, that old school, like, you know, car salesman type, type pitch. The new way of selling is all about empathy. It's all about bringing people into your culture, inviting them into your culture and having them become a part of, of, uh, of, of 
their lives, your lives, a, a part of your community. And I believe that is so true with, with brand and on both sides, whether it's a customer or it's an employee, we want to bring them in and have them be, feel like they belong. That's what it's all about. If we can feel like there's a sense of belonging, if we can feel like your brand represents who they are, they're going to want to be a part of it. And, uh, and, and, and they're going to, they're going to work really hard for you. I, I really, really believe that. Um, thank you so much for Ryan for being on. Um, if you are interested in learning about how I am using VBHR and how I am uh, going about my recruiting process, I recommend you check out my trade school, craftsmanpainter.com backslash trade school, where I have access to live lessons, um, pre-recorded uh, videos on YouTube, completely free. And if you need help getting those things implemented, I'm happy to help you out. Um, I actually have the ability to uh, to employ in all 50 states. And so if you're looking for teams, uh, if you're looking to staff up your team, I can help you out. Don't forget about my book, Sprint, where I talk about uh, production management and team building. That's on Amazon.com. Just search for my name, Torlando, in the word Sprint, and it'll pop up for you. Uh, and as always, subscribe to the show. Check it out on PC at Overdrive and uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, all that. That's our show. That is our show, folks. I'm Torlando. Thank you so much for listening. Another episode of Paint Ed is in the bag. This has been Paint Ed. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org. 